the Virtual Band Director Conference. This is a 24-7 resource for you, band directors all over the world. I'm your host, John Liner. Let's get this party started. Welcome to Episode 3, Developing a Jazz Program, with Jose Diaz, Jeff Leonard, Erica Uribe, and Bruce Melville. Erica, kick us off. Hi guys, my name is Erica Uribe. I teach middle school band in uh, South Texas, specifically Harlingen, Texas. Uh, it's close to South Padre Island if you're familiar with uh, Texas geography. Uh, I teach at the middle school that I uh, grew up in the same neighborhood. The school wasn't built when I was a kid, but it is now. And so I work there with my old uh, middle school band director. I'm the second director. Uh, and I'm in charge of all the jazz bands. All right, Jose. Hello, everybody. My name is Jose Diaz. Um, I teach at MacArthur High School. This is my 35th year there. I started when I was 15, just in case you want to do the math. But I guess even doing that math makes me an old fart anyway. So, uh, I also started uh, a nonprofit called Diaz Music Institute. It's in the 20th year. We start kids uh, in music at age four, um, and we work with them through uh, age 18. I'm on the board for the uh, Midwest Clinic, and I'm also on the board for the Jazz Education Network. I'm really excited to be here this evening to uh, have a chat with all of you guys. All right, go for it, Bruce. All right, I'm Bruce Melville. I'm a native Texan, uh, born in Austin, grew up in San Antonio, and then I went to North Texas State University and then I ended up at the University of Houston, where I got uh, my undergrad and graduate degree, got my undergrad in music ed, my graduate degree in music theory. Then uh, I spent about the first 25 years playing professionally, uh, private teaching, and then teaching adjunct at various colleges. Then at uh, 42, I got a job at Katy High School, and I was there seven years. Then my wife and I went to Dallas for two years. I was the head director at Grand Prairie High School. And then I came back to Katy and was an assistant at Taylor High School. Uh, also in there, uh, before I got the job at Katy, I was uh, at uh, Wharton Junior College. I did one year there. Then I did nine years at uh, Taylor, and then I retired and I'm in uh, finishing up, I guess, my second or, th or third year, second year of retirement. And it's great. And I'm, I'm private teaching and helping John Liner uh, do his band and doing a, a various things. And then I'm also playing professionally. So uh, doing all that. Right on. All right, Jeff. I'm Jeff Leonard. I'm the uh, northerner of the group here. I was actually grew up in the Washington, D.C. area at Arlington, Virginia. And uh, after I graduated from high school, I was on the road for three years traveling with a band and playing at that point. Came to Berkeley College, where I graduated in 82. I was a double degree major there, music education and jazz comp and arranging. Um, I did master's work at New England Conservatory, Boston, you know, a whole bunch of different places. Finally, it took me, because I was teaching actively after I, you know, after I graduated, it took me literally 14 years to get my master's. Um, 
from Boston University. I'm from the Lexington Public Schools, and I was there for better part of 35 years. I retired a couple of years ago, but I also overlapped with um, with I taught at Boston University, I taught at Boston College, I, I uh, at New England Conservatory, and for the last 12, 13 years, I've been at at uh, Boston Conservatory Berkeley in the graduate music education program and, and with their jazz pedagogy program. I also work at New England Conservatory as the co-director of the Youth Jazz Orchestra. Um, and uh, I, I'm a reed player and I don't do as much jazz stuff because it was harder to get into as I was, as I was uh, teaching so much and hard to be regular on it. So I do a lot of theater work when I'm playing and whenever I get back to that, I'll be looking forward to getting back to that, so. Right on. So, so Jeff, on that note, we have a lot of folks that are looking to start a jazz program. So when, when we're talking about getting a jazz band in our, in our school, what are the benefits to having a jazz band in the school? What, what, what does it benefit? Well, <laughs> the benefits are obvious to those of us that do it. But if you want to list it to an administrator, if you're you know, your science teacher principal and your and your uh, you know your social studies teacher superintendent or whoever, and you need to make a, a convincing um, convincing argument, you have to also be able to base it on on economics and how you're going to pay for it and how you're going to get kids involved. That's that's the logistics of it. What the benefits are. Are that well? Let's start with the the art form itself. Um, this is our country's only uh, indigenous export art music form. This is it. This is what we own around the world. Uh, jazz is America, and we should be studying that. Uh, if we do it well and do it right in terms of how we really look through the history of jazz and present that in terms of the what we what we uh, are preparing and playing as well and how we study. We're also find ways to cross curriculum and really get involved with the social studies department to connect with with various people dealing with civil rights issues, dealing with um, dealing with uh, well any anything through American history in, in the last century. And so there's a way to tie it into the curriculum for the students as well. But more importantly, and this is the, this is always the hardest sell. And those of you who have a band program, band program going already, showing your administration. What is critical about that, and then reducing it to the autonomy? A, a jazz a jazz program is really, in a lot of ways, it's a it's a it's a graduate level high school program. And so, what we're teaching in jazz and the things we're doing in jazz are, I think, the highest level musical skills. Because, and and you know, wouldn't be a treat to be able to design a jazz program from the ground up. In terms of the musical things you're being asked to do, you're looking at you know, notes and rhythms and articulations and you're looking at the same thing you do in any other music program. So why a jazz program? Well, again, because it's our indigenous music, but also because of the sophistication it, it and the, the higher order level of thinking skills it brings kids to. If you're teaching jazz right, you're teaching a different sort of rhythmic interpretation from you are in any other place. And you're also teaching improvisation to everyone who's growing up there. That's where the high level skills come in. When you're starting to combine creativity uh, along with the spontaneity of performance, then you're asking students to really push and, 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 and to grow in different ways. And I think there's so many, you can talk about chicken or the egg, but there's so many, so many studies that talk about what the study of music and then beyond that, the study of improvisation do with brain development and academic growth and that sort of thing. As I say, it's hard for me to call one cause and one effect, but I think all of you will agree, you'll notice that almost throughout all your schools, in the upper level music groups, all of, you've got a lot of the honors kids and the upper level kids as well. Um, 
people who are academically working well. And even if even if a music program and a jazz program isn't the cause of that, isn't that the type of thing you'd want other kids to hang around with? Isn't that the kind of culture you want to build where achievement and quality and creativity, something that is maybe different from anything else they're doing, this is why a jazz program is important because it's ours, because it fosters real high order thinking skills from every student and because it will, what can then, if you look at it also, what it can contribute to the community. But that's a side benefit. Uh, we want to we want to make sure that we're our first core is to to educate the students, not to entertain the community. Yeah, you know, I, I, I agree with that to, to a point, but I, I also think that when you're talking with administrators and you want to convince them, I think they care more about what the benefits are and how they look out in the community more so than anything else. And I think from my perspective, if, if I were to start all over again, I would just start the jazz program without even asking just by having kids come out to school and just more demonstrating how it's important more so than, than trying to put it in verbiage because they need to see. People care more about what they see visually, what they see out in public. And, you know, if, if someone in the community comes in and says something to the principal, wow, that jazz ensemble sure sounded really good and that kind of stuff. So that, yeah. that puts them more in their face, you know? And I think, I think to me, it's, it's really important to just go ahead and start with all of that and then turn around to lead to everything that Jeffrey's talking about. Because uh, I, don't, I don't think right now principals, they just got too much stuff in, in their head in terms of what they're negotiating with, you know, all the testing schedules and all the pressure they get from the higher ups from the school district that they'll be, they'll be cordial, professional and all that and, and listen to the whole spiel but i think if if you just started doing it and then they see that the excitement that the kids have for the activity i think that will help establish it a whole lot quicker than anything else especially when you got kids and parents excited about what you're doing yeah i agree with uh, both of you guys it's it's uh uh great i think uh I, one thing that uh, touching on just the benefits to your program, uh, one of the basic benefits is you have uh, kids playing their instruments, which is which is great. Even more added on uh, the sight reading benefits. I found that as opposed to my band, as far as my concert band to my jazz band, we ate up so much more material. We didn't spend as much time just, and so the sight reading benefits. Uh, were real good. And then following up on, on what Jeff and Jose said, like the theor the theoretical uh, aspects. Oh, no, we lost. <laughs> See? <laughs> he was going to say something way too deep and got, got, and got censored. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, what the guys are saying exactly are spot on. Both, uh, you remember, as an educator, you got to wear both hats. So you got to have like what Jose is, it says is what exactly what I did with my band. You know, we started from nothing, we built it up, and you know, at the end of the day, you know, when when the kids are playing and you got that that ambassador now for your for your school, it makes your school look good. You make your administrator look good. Right. You right. know, they're gonna give you whatever you need. And literally, they gave me a blank check this year. Thank God we could really use it. But on the same hand, you know, somebody else comes in you and they're not so hot with what you're doing. You got to have what Jeff is saying, 
and be able to give them that, you know, cognitive developmental, you know, information so that you, you speak their jargon and, you know, you got yourself a home run either way. But yeah, just you know. coming, Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, no, you're good. Just okay. coming back around to it. Yeah. I, totally agree with getting that started on their own that's where you get that's where you get the grassroots going i was really taking it from the 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 uh, the step where you introduce it to your administration so those those beginning steps just getting kids involved and quite frankly you can introduce a lot of those concepts in your concert bands too so there's a way to do that to, and then find the ones that are interested to draw down from it yeah definitely uh, and and really the most important benefit of all is the truest um, ensemble that you have in the school that prepares them to be players in the music industry today, you know, in terms of becoming touring artists and, and that kind of stuff. If they're talking about doing that kind of thing, then they have to be involved in something like the jazz ensemble because that's the closest thing that you have in the school that will give you that that experience and that, that uh, opportunity to develop that talent in, in terms of that whole showmanship kind of thing and then most importantly um in that particular top type of ensemble if if we don't double parts you know you have one person on a part and they gotta be on it and and they have to be self-reliant they have to be strong they you know it develops it develops a level of confidence that that's just priceless you know you just can't you can't beat that, you know, and, you know, all of us do uh, really good work with our concert and that kind of stuff. But, you know, there is a safety net there when in most cases, you know, there's several players, but that's not the case in the jazz ensemble, you know, and, and it's like most people are struggling to find one kid that really plays bass, one kid that really plays guitar, you know, and, and then you got them in the group and then, then you start really working with that. And then you start trying to put that, put that, put the group to be performing at a higher level. And then that, that pressure um, starts to develop with the kids themselves. And then they start pushing each other. Absolutely. And mm. to tag on to that. You have your, you know, we can talk to our administrators, but some are going to say hey, they're too young to play. They're, they're, they're not old enough. So like Erica is middle school too young to start jazzers. Is it too young? <laughs> That's too Absolutely. late. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I agree. It's too late. I yeah, agree. I mean, look, like Jose's yep. like, perfect example. I mean, he's got his Diaz Institute with what's the youngest kids you guys got in there? Four, four uh, years old, four. five years old? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yep. Absolutely. Um, you know, to answer that question, you know, I, of course, I don't feel it's ever too early to start. I mean, I primarily teach middle school six through eight. I got some fourth graders that already send me videos of them playing piano, want to be in the jazz band someday. Uh, mm -hmm. We have a jazz three that's exclusively for sixth graders and we start it in the spring semester. Uh, we've had top sixth graders before play uh, primary roles in our jazz two, but of course they had the full range on their instrument and they had the attitude to, to want to be there. And we've also featured a sixth grader before with our tap, our top jazz band. Uh, of course, with what the guys are saying with the benefits, you know, uh, band is the original FaceTime, you know, you get the horn <laughs> to the face you know, you're learning the groove, you're learning a chord, uh, chord uh, progression, you're learning, uh, working your stroke, even if it's, you know, on the congas or it's on the drum set, you know, we've won that day. If the kid is on the horn and they're putting in those extra reps that you might not get otherwise, because, you know, if they're playing eight and a hand, you know, eight and a hand is cool for a little while, but they want to get to doing some, uh, some more fun stuff. But of course, like the guys were saying, fundamentally, you know, jazz is the same as concert band or orchestra. <laughs> 
got to have good tone, good technique. Uh, you got to balance within your section. You got to play uh, with the right pitch and within the chord. Got to have good articulation. Got to play the right note at the right time. You know, it's just a different way of saying things. You know, jazz is like a it's like getting a new haircut. Some people love the haircut right away, and some people it takes a little while for them to get used to it. But they're gonna love it at the end because that's my job. <laughs> No. Absolutely. Yeah. You, as long as you love it, the kids will love it too. They'll eat it right up. Um, if, if, if I could just toss something just on the back of that really quickly, I think the most important and the most critical element to begin in terms of as young as you possibly can is dealing with improvisation. Even when they're learning their instruments from day one, if they can play three notes, get them to try and create something with that three notes and get them to be not afraid to put themselves out to improvise. I think that's the critical part to moving this forward. And that can start, in, that can start with recorders that can start in general music Start it as early as possible. Yeah. yeah when we, uh, when we, uh, one of the first rules of jazz band, when we started was, uh, you, you're not afraid to play, you know, that's if you're going to be in here, just try, you know, and, but generally, when you get that attitude, the kids are really supportive and, and wonderful. It's really, but yeah, and it's hard. The hardest thing with improv is getting over yourself. That, that's the hardest thing. And uh, yeah, so trying to impress not being afraid to play is important. And the younger you start it, the younger you start it, and the more supportive environment you build, the easier it's going to be when they get older. Yeah, I mean, we, at our campus on Fridays, you know, it, they know every now and then I'm going to throw it out there. It's going to be solo Friday and everybody <laughs> goes around the horn and I don't care if you don't want to play. We'll we'll go through it one more time. Play me one note. Do something just to kind of right. get, you know, that initial shock out of the way. I can remember once they got comfortable doing it, uh, you'd have like 12 people wanting to play on every tune and you finally had to go, no, 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 we can't do that, which is a great problem. It is. It really is. Now we've talked about kind of like the philosophical, like how do we get this thing going? But once we get into, we understand jazz is an American art form, but what makes it special is the swing. Like we, you know, we don't, it's not one take, two take, you know, we're not squares, right? Mm -hmm. We're swinging. So Jose, how do we get that swing into our band? How do we, how do we get it going? Well, the first thing that we all have to really think about is that you got to develop the culture for the music. Okay. Cause jazz is a verbatim language. Okay. It's a language. The reason people don't do so well with it is because they don't understand the language. It's like for, for us to learn the, English language or Spanish or, or whatever, we have to do what? We have to listen to the language. As we listen to the language, then we imitate that language. Once we start imitating that language and we start, we start by using, you know, one, one, two, three words, you know, and then, then we start becoming more complex with it. You know, that's how you, that's how you develop Jazz, that's how you develop swing. That's how you develop improvisation. And, and in order for that to happen as, as new teachers, and, and if, you, if you're a person who's never been involved in any kind of a jazz program or anything like that, then that's absolutely okay. Then you just become the student with your students. And, and then you start bringing the music and you start really listening and, and then try to imitate 
the things that you, you hear. One, one of my favorite things to do is when I'm working um, uh, kids um, and getting them to understand how to swing is that I, I'll take tunes that blues tunes that are based on riffs. Okay. Because they can keep repeating that over and over again. But before, before we even get there, before they even get to play, they have to listen to the tune. And I'll, if, if it's a tune that has multiple um, uh, renowned jazz artists performing it, then I'll play recordings from several different artists. Okay. And then I will ask them to, to be able to sing those things back. And I said, how did they sing it? What was the sound like? What was the phrasing like? Okay. And, and it's going to take a while for, for them to keep listening, repeating, and, and coming up with the verbiage that they need to be able to enunciate exactly what they heard. But as they start learning how to do that, then they'll be able to uh, be more in line with the phrasing of the style. You know, just think about it. Okay. You know, the English language has so many dialects. Okay. And so if you were growing up, say, for example, uh, in a in one area, uh, say, for example, Kingwood, you know, and, uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, this is for pe people who live in the Houston area would know more. So what I'm talking about, you know, it's, it's more upwardly uh, mobile kind of community. Then you, if you go down deep in, in one of the wards where in Houston, where, there's more of a struggle. And if you person, you go out there and you walk in the street and you start talking, they're going to know immediately you're not from the neighborhood. You know what I mean? Because you're not going to, you're not going to sound like them. You're not, you're not going to phrase like them. So they're going to know that you're an outsider. Conversely, if a person that's from, from deep in the hood goes into an area like that and they start speaking, they go immediately know, Oh, he's not from around here. Because they don't sound like that. They, they, they don't use the same dialect. Okay. So if you want people to know that you're from the jazz world, then you got to understand, you got to understand the dialect. You got to be able to phrase it. And, and the best way to do that is to jump in there and listen to uh, so many people tell people, you got to listen to the music, but they don't tell you why you're listening to the music. They're not telling, they're not digging in and telling you specifically how to listen to the music. They're not telling you the reason for listening to, uh, to the music. So when, when we start doing that, we got, we got to tell them we're listening to the music because we want to understand the language. We want to understand how to phrase the language. We want to use that phrasing, understand that rhythmic dialect, and that's the most important aspect, in my opinion, when it comes to improvisation, is understanding rhythm. Because it's not really about understanding the, the notes and the chords and, and scales. I mean, my gosh, we got, we got classically trained people who know every scale there is in the world. And then when they get to start playing jazz, they're going to sound terrible <laughs> if they don't have any experience. Why? Because they don't know the language. Okay? You know, and, and yet... If you got somebody that knows the language and understand the rhythmic dialect on it, they can play an incredible solos with just three notes and sound killing. Okay. So it's all about understanding what the music is, understanding what that phrasing is, then understanding that we have to imitate it verbatimly. Okay. That's the most important part of it. And that's, and that's something that, that, that was driven home to me, uh, 
by two people that were huge mentors for me, which was Conrad Johnson and and Dr. Alvin Batiste. You know, though, um, those were legendary uh, people, you know, uh, Alvin Batiste, you know, top people like Branford Marcellus, you know, Hernan Riley and all those guys, you know, and, and, and so he was really high on that. And, and then the other thing that kind of helped me too, because I did grow up uh, in, in a household where we heard a lot of music and um, my, my family's from Puerto Rico. So a lot of the Afro-Caribbean music that we heard also has a direct relationship to what you hear with jazz because of the whole swing aspect of the music. You know, there's a lot of people saying, you know, when you play Latin music, you even eighth notes. Don't let them lie to you because okay? it's not. It's swings. And, and, and the first thing, the first thing all you have to do is bring up is Abaqua, you know, you know, Afro-Cuban 6-8. How can you play Afro 6-8 with even notes? You know, that's like, ridiculous you know but, but if you understand Abaqua, then you understand that the music with all this music that came from west africa is all tied into the same thing and you made a lot of great points in there and we hear a lot of times people talking about listen 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 to these people and you know for i think us jazzers like we know where to go to because we grew up with that music around us so we don't even think twice well, guys, where would y'all say you could start? Like, let's throw out a couple artists that people could start with as far as listening is concerned. Man, Miles Davis is great to great example oh, yeah. to start with. You know, it's like Miles Davis. You can you can grab you can grab some some of the tunes that Miles Davis played. Get some of those transcriptions. You know. Um, and then people say, you know, when you get transcription or if you buy transcription, you're paying somebody for actually doing the learning. That's okay. Because you can learn from that too anyway. So when you grab a transcription and you look at the transcription and you're listening to the recording of it, Miles Davis, and, and, I, and I tell you, I take the tune I start with is so what, you know, because it's very melodic it's it's very rhythmical. And, and then just listen to, to the way it's phrased and and then go back and, and you can take this by small little bitty chunks we, you don't have to try to do the whole thing in one sitting you know if if all you can do uh and i tell this to adults if all you can do is four measures and play those four measures exactly the way miles did it that's incredible you know because it's there's there's a there's a whole emotional level of experience that that is in those four measures in that tone in the way that he's he's saying what he's saying you know that if you can capture that and understand that that's an incredible thing and so you can make that you can make that be uh uh say say something that you do over a period of time and, and take it by chance take it as slow as you need to you know, it's the, the most incredible thing about today is that, you know, we don't ha we don't have to do like we used to have to do back in the old days. You youngsters wouldn't even know about these record LPs that you had to put on a record player. And then we had to keep picking up the needle, going back or, or we tried to do the little <laughs> trick. Remember the little trick of, of taking a 78 and try to drop the the RPM so we can kind of hear it to be dialed oh, yeah.
in that game, you know? I mean, if if I had that back in the day, I'd be doing it every day, you know? I I do it now. If if I if I'm like trying to lift something, lift the tune and it's pretty pretty difficult and stuff like that, man, I'll put out that app real quick and I'll slow it down to whatever tempo I got to get it so I can hear every aspect of it so I can write it out because I'm learning something from that. Oh, definitely. I remember working on my thesis. It had to do with Frank Rosalino for my master's, and uh, I slowed everything down on a reel-to-reel to half speed so I could sort of get it. And then I sent it to a friend. way you can notate swing they usually you'll see like swing it and they have a quarter and an eighth with a triplet above it right and 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 that's not really it and then or they'll say uh dotted eight sixteenth and play it wrong well i have a real problem with that because you work so hard to make them play it mm-hmm. right you know but listening is, is really what you do and then um also, there's different swings, like uh, like I found where I was with uh, in the schools I was at when I, we would talk swing. They were the kids would think 1940s dance, like like big band dance type things, you know, where they were going and you're like, no, that's not it for modern swing, you know, which was very much it's more legato. Uh, that's how I would describe it to the kids. And what we did was uh, got a physical with it. We'd listen to it, and then, like, we would run major scales swinging them, you know, and, 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 do, and try and get the correct feel. And try, and I would play it for them, and they'd play it back to me, and we'd do things like that with the question answer. And uh, but yeah, Miles is a great one to start with, you know, uh, uh, as far as listening, uh, Louie, and listening. Then like a, a great tune I started. So what? You know, when he said that, I was I used that a lot. Uh, and then I would use things like Moten Swing as their first swing tune because it's like two notes, you know, bop, do, do, da, and that's what I do. Keep in mind the one one of the composers that actually got close to writing how swing should be interpreted was uh, Leonard Bernstein, because mm-hmm. when, when he wrote out swing, he wrote it all in triplets, which right. is closer to the interpretation of what that was, and was closer to what the Abaqua is all about, which was where it came from, you know. Yeah, but harder to read. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, of course. But the. For me, when you're getting this idea of teaching swing and what to listen for, a lot of that will depend on the entry. If you're starting with your elementary students, 
it's going to be all oral. You're going to, it's going to be all what they listen to. If you're starting to teach that with an accomplished player in high school, you've got more intellectual capital to draw on where you can compare it to different types of music. And you talk to them specifically about articulations. You can talk to them specifically about how rhythmic the rhythms are divided or subdivided in a, in a way. And so a lot of, a lot of what you what you teach will also depend on the sophistication of the musician sitting in front of you where you approach, um, whether it's just some of the beginning. But in terms of listening, I'm all, I'm all in on the miles, too. One of the things that I, I love to work with my students is Blues by Five, the miles solo. the right notes but the right articulations the right rhythm the right length of the notes the right inflections does that sound like miles and i think jose you mentioned that it's got to sound like what you're going to imitate the sound the spirit the soulfulness of it not just the notes and rhythms and it's got to go beyond that yeah it's for me i think that for some of y'all that might be listening in some of you might not be native jazz musicians uh, and the biggest thing is just getting on the horn. If you, if you play an instrument that's native to the jazz ensemble, great. And if you don't, don't be afraid to jump on a horn that, you know, you can mimic Miles with, or you can mimic, uh, you know, Coltrane with, or whoever it is that you like to listen to. Uh, but the biggest thing is getting it on. I mean, myself, you know, I don't know anything about rhythm section. So what I do, I jump on the set, start figuring out how to swing, how it really feels. Uh, same thing with the bass. I didn't know anything about bass, so I jump on the bass try to figure out how that feels because it's hard for you to impart that knowledge to your students unless you feel it inside. And so the biggest thing is just to jump in yourself and do it. And then don't be afraid to ask, ask people in your area, ask people that, uh, that you, uh, hold in some regard and you think that this guy can play or this, this girl can play and, and just jump in. That's the biggest thing. Yeah. I, I one thing that I really have to say, and, and if y'all get anything tonight, and understand this jazz is a style not an instrumentation okay jazz is a style not instrumentation so just because you see that it's saxophone trombones trumpet doesn't mean that you can't have bassoon oboe english oh, yeah. horn you know it's a jazz is a style not an instrumentation and and you can you can always find ways to include that student who who has a high aptitude for the genre and and get them involved. You know, I I, I just I just want to make sure and say that because I I just find so many people that that are killing themselves trying to keep you know the jazz program going with a specific instrumentation when if they got a kid that's super talented on on an instrument that isn't typically, you know, showcased doesn't mean that can't be included because jazz is a style, not instrumentation. Yeah, and I, I think one of the things that I mentioned earlier, one of the things that was a boon for our program was that we started most of the work was done in small groups. So everybody was learning the idiom, not just second trumpet in the big band rehearsal or something like that. Everybody was learning that. And by working in small groups, and small groups could be up to 15, but really working on the, the, the constructs of jazz. What does the rhythm section do? What does improviser do? How do you interpret? How do you play? And not worry about charts and how you're going to, how you're going to deal with all that. But worry about the music. Worry about the idiom. 
we would have cellists, violinists, uh, horn, French horn players, bassoonists, oboists, vocalists. Anybody was welcome, and you could open up to everybody then. And yeah. so I'm totally with you on that. On that, it's not an instrumentation. It's it's it is for everything you. Any any instrument can play. Yeah. Any oh, instrument yeah. vocalist. Can yeah. Play. yeah. One one more thing that's super important that y'all got to do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, you want to know why so many kids quit? band and jazz band and stuff like that do y'all know why shake your head yes no okay i'm gonna tell you why <laughs> because when when a kid is at home like right now okay or or when there's like relatives coming over you know they're gonna have the family reunion stuff they see that this kid plays the instrument the first thing that they want this kid to do is to do what play the horn for the family right but this poor kid's been playing third trumpet, third trombone, so uh, or second tenor. So when it's time for them to play the parts, bah, 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 bah. And they're like, what the heck is that? Okay, so you know what I'm going to tell you? Everybody learn the melody. Everybody the melody of the song. And then you were going to have kids that would love you forever because now you took that pressure away from them and that embarrassment that they used to have about taking out the horn because now they got something that they can play that sounds cool and this is why i said there's so many blues riffs out there songs you know that you can find that that a kid can pick up and play and then there's backing tracks online so a kid you can hook a kid up big time you know they they can go to youtube yeah. find b flat blues and then you find a riff tune that is four measures long that they can learn right away and they can just get up and just jam that for the family. Is a wrap. You got him. Oh, yeah. And before we go on, time is jumping away from us, folks. We're into the Q&A, so drop your questions in the chat. Uh, let's keep the chat only to questions, folks. We want to get it all jacked up. So just questions in the chat, uh, and we're happy to ans answer questions as we go. Um, one of the, the first questions I got from a, folk, a person on Facebook, um, how do you teach theory? And if you use a book, like how, what book would you recommend? Hmm. Dep depends on the age. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, there's so much stuff out there. Like high school kids, I used uh, like Dan Hurley's book. And it was usually more with... Um, you know, I think I can't, I'm trying to remember the name of it, but he has this small book. Uh, and Kelly Dean also has a good uh, book, Jazz Theory, Just Add Water or something like that, which is, uh, but most of that I, I taught high school. But I have found, uh, I, I did a lot of the stuff on my own, you know, teaching uh, just basic uh, stuff through scales, just like, you know, a lot of people do. Right. I think I think it's really important that whatever you teach in theory has to be on the instrument too. It can't just be theoretical yeah. knowledge. It can't just be pencil right. and paper. If if you're talking about chords, they have to play the chords and they have to listen to the chords and it has to be all in, all encompassing ear training. They have to recognize it visually and orally. That's the only way you can really do it so it sings home. They gotta be able to play it. All three of those. And those daily drills should be should be tailored to the weaknesses of your group. You know, because it's always going to change, you know, so yeah. just think about what you would do in, in other ensemble settings in terms of getting your kids to just be better players. So so do those kinds of things there. 
and it just add the uh, the teaching them the understanding of the genre in terms of how how you phrase it, you know. Yeah, and, and that's, yeah, back on what Jose said, you know, like you said, Taylor tailor your, your daily drill to your warm-up. So that means if you're getting on finale and you're writing something out, you know, be specific about if it's an articulation that you're trying to work mm -hmm. on, or if it's, you know, something that is not, it's just not jiving together, have the rhythm section go through it and just have the kids play it over and over until you get it, okay. knock it out of the park. Yeah. Steps. When I was uh, uh, doing it, most of the time I was six period later in the day with jazz band. Most of the kids had already warmed up. So what I did was, I, I would have uh, the drummer do a swing rhythm and we do just, uh, you know, like F down to B flat doing a Remington, you know, with a swing feel and the kid, you know, just to get the air going. And then uh, I generally had them go through their scales. Now at high school and I had a lot of, of good players, we would run like the 12 scales swinging them and we would, and I, and then I would start incorporating the theory by doing like we do major scales and I would add, you know, have them answer like what, what chords does this fit or what chord will a major scale fit? Then, then later on after they've learned their major scales, we'd flat the seventh and do mixolydian, you know, and then start doing dominant seven. down for middle school you can correct me on that erica how you how you feel oh no absolutely and, i do the same and, thing you do yeah and uh, uh that sort of thing and always with the right art articulation and style which is why it has oh to yeah be played you've got to include all, all of that yeah. and, and and the thing is like getting back to that swing thing I never had a problem with kids knowing like Latin feel sort of because they listened to some Latin things, rock feel, never funk, you never, it was always swing. So like in our warm ups and things like that, I always concentrated more on swing than like rock or something like that because uh, they, they, they hear that, they listen to that on their own in some of their stuff. Yeah, now we, uh, somebody's asking here, this is from Sage, uh, how do you foster student interest in the jazz band? You, you know, when, when I first started at Maricota High School, um, the quickest thing that, that I could do was actually, and this is something that, that Conrad Johnson did too, you know, and, and I found that out after I did it, is that... Um, I had to figure out a way to make it be cool for, for the kids to do it. So I took a lot of pop tunes and, and wrote them out instrumentally. And, and then we just took advantage of playing either for like the talent show and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. When you're doing, when you have a group of kids that are playing uh, these tunes and then you stretch them out and, and add some space so, so they can improvise. But then when kids start getting celebrated by their peers on something they're doing, they're hooked, you know, yeah. and then they're going, oh, like, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, so for me, if you do that, you know, put them in situations where they're playing um, tunes that are recognizable by the student body. And then, you you, you know, you add the, the jazz phrasing with that and, and space for them to improvise. 
that's a really good way to, to kind of get kids going on that. Another way I think is you get the small groups going again and you, it's not, they're not going to come to you. You have to go to them. You have to find the drummers, the piano players, the bass players, oh, the yeah. guitar players. You have to get out in your non-traditional band instruments to get those. And when those kids start coming into your program and their friends are in the band, you start getting that crossover between the person who's sitting next to you in their math class and their English class, but the kid who doesn't have another outlet, which is incidentally another way to bring a jazz program into a building is you're disenfranchising so many people by not having one because we're the pianists, we're the guitar players, we're the, you know, we're the bass players. Where do they have a chance to go and play? This is their chance to play music in school. Um, that generates some excitement. It creates yeah. opportunities they don't have in other places. Well, and, and the other uh, thing, like, like y'all were saying, is get out and play. We would play with everything. We'd have a combo. We had a, the jazz band, and we would play for anything and everything. It got so, uh, when I was at Katy High School, we were right across the street from the administration building. They would just call me up like a day before, can you have a group come over? Yeah. And the kids would see that, or they would hear them, like some of our top students be over there for some something, and, you know, you just do it. But, uh, yeah, I, I would be ready to play, like, on the first day of school. We'd play something easy enough that everybody could do it, get out there and do it. It's so important. And, and it also changes your group immediately, you know. Yeah. I would say, we have a performance in two weeks. They go, well, we don't know any tunes. And I said, well, you've got some tunes. You better start practicing because we're going to be out there in front of people, you know. And it, yeah, sometimes- it motivate them. And sometimes, you know, you got to make your own, uh, create your own opportunities for recruitment. So, for example, we've got the 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 fortune of being able to go to our el- our elementary's campuses, our feeders, and that's what the first thing we feature is drums and a saxophone. Boom, boom, boom. And if it draws them in and they end up playing the trombone or the bassoon, awesome. Everybody can play in the jazz band. We've got, you know, every instrument in the band plays in the jazz band. Um, to start with. So that's the number one recruiter for us. Yeah, we started playing like for, they had uh, like Gatsby Day, the English department, and we'd go play music of that time for them and things like that. And I had guitar players, you know, coming to me and asking, you know, uh, and and it was a great way to pick it up because guitar and bass player drummers would hear it and they'd go, you know, I'd like to do that. So, and that, that really helps. Connecting with other teachers and other departments is a great way to, to get your get your uh, to, to build things up around the school. If a teacher's talking about your program in their English class because you're playing at Gatsby's Day, you've got to step forward in what you're looking for and gathering more kids in. Oh yeah, absolutely. Let's switch gears real quick. This is a million dollar question. Uh, what are some resources, or how do you develop uh, a young rhythm section or inexperienced rhythm section? Well, I, I would say the, the first thing um, is that, okay, for me, <laughs> I would find them, them drummers and rhythm section players up in these churches because um, they have already started playing. They're already, they, they've been working um, by ear for the most part. So I would start um, looking for them there if I, if I wanted to try to get quickly um, moving on it. Now, if you're starting them from scratch, you know, um, my 
all my all-staters, when I got mad at them, I would actually take take away everything but the hi-hat this, and the ride symbol. And, <laughs> and, and that's how I would let them have. And when they behave better, I would give them a snare drum and I would give them a bass drum. Especially when they were playing too much trash, I would just get mad. I'd just say, take it away. And then, then the other thing... The other thing that I found really helped these drummers, and, and I actually did this to uh, Erica's drummer, is that I made them sing. I, they have to sing everybody's parts while they play. Because when they're singing everybody's parts while they play, it'll keep them from doing some really silly stuff when they're playing, you know? Oh, yeah. Bass, bass players start, start them off um, playing Roots on the Blues, you know? Because you... That's just a few notes that they're gonna have to learn. So then, just start, just start doing like, like just playing. Just for example, just uh, B flat, B flat, B flat, B flat. Then you go to the fourth. Then you go to the fifth. You know, and and just do just do the one, four, five basic blues to start off with. And then once once you once you do that, once you do that, then you can on on beat four after they're playing the root, you know, they can, they can go to like, say if you're going B flat and then the next measure you're going to E flat, then on B four, you have them approach it a half step away. So they'd be a fret away from whatever note they want to uh, go to next. And that gives them that start giving that bass uh, walking kind of thing. And then you can start building from there uh, in terms of getting them to start understanding what the chords are. But you know, just starting, just getting them to just moving their fingers like right away. That's something that you can do. The, yeah. the hard news on this is, go ahead, Bruce. Uh, the, the, the root thing on the bass player, that's what I was going to say. That, that is, and, and you know, they start getting a feel even with four same notes, you know, it, it mm -hmm. can, can really help. And then uh, another thing, like the piano players, uh, you might have somebody, you know, I used to get some really good piano players, you know, they'd taken piano all their life, but never played any jazz and they would get real frustrated trying to play everything on that page, you know, cause that's what they were taught to do. And I'd say, you know, I we would talk about, can you play like an E flat seven chord? And they'd say, yeah. And I said, well, you know, use the voicing that you have there, but you don't have to play everything that's there. You know how they put things in. And, and then the piano player, you know, keep it simple, stupid, you know, realizing, wow, I, that sounds good. And I don't have to play everything that's on the page, you know, just have them playing chords and playing less till they get used to doing it. it. That helps a lot in developing your rhythm section, I think. And uh, yeah, this is this is the hardest news in this because if you're an oboe player and you don't know any of these instruments, it, the, the first thing you do is what Erica did and she talked about before. You have to get in and learn the fundamentals on those instruments so you can relate them. You have to know how to start walking a simple bass line. You know how to know how to voice a simple chord. You know how to play specific time on the drum set so that you can relate it to them. You need to scaffold it like Jose was talking about, even yeah. beginners, we're going to start with just the, the ride symbol and the, and the hi-hat, and that's where you're going to begin.
YouTube, YouTube is your friend. It's, it's you true. Bet. It's true. It's all you know, there. Thing, YouTube is your friend. Don't be scared. Yes. Don't be scared. Don't one be scared that, of it just because you go, I don't know. It's it, man, there's so many resources and things you can do. Since yeah. so we got a lot of middle school people on here, you know, one thing that we do is that we have all of our drummers go around the rhythm section. So you're never going to get to just play drum set. So you're going to learn how to play, of course, all the, you know, all the mm -hmm. Latin percussion. And you're going to learn to play bass because I don't know if my bass player is going to show up to the gig. So I need to have a backup bass player. And you got to learn it's all the real parts. jazz musician. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, real jazz musician. We have a kid like, at the high school. He's a great bass player. and He's a great uh, drum set player. Uh, same thing with the piano. You know, we rotate them over. We tell them, hey, look, this keyboard has two colors on it. So it's easier than the one you play normally. You don't have to worry <laughs> about figuring out which ones are the, the bottom and the top notes. And we just rotate them around. And, you know, same thing, go into the school every now and then. We'll find a, a hidden gem out there or we'll go across to the orchestra room and we'll get a bass player there. Cello players work out really well for bass players because they read the same clef and the same octave. And uh, they've got more dexterity usually than the bass player does to start with. So, you know, we've had some really great cellists become great bassists too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we're, we're down into the last couple minutes here. Uh, quickly, what are some riff-based blues tunes? Riff tunes, some riff tunes that you can uh, think about doing. I think it was um, Mr. Tran or some, some, I think Michael, right? Um, is you can do C Jam Blues by yeah, C Jam, Centerpiece by um, Harry Sweet Edson. You could do Night Same Train no, no. by Jimmy Forrest, no. um, Sunny Moon for Two by Sunny Moon Robbins, for two. Yeah. Splanky. You know, yep, by, like uh, that's a Neil Hefty tune that's been performed. Yeah, and, and Sunny Moon teaches them that minor pentatonic. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. <laughs> so they, they, it's all that cool stuff is there. So um, I, I'll say it again, just in case I went too fast. C Jam Blues, that's Duke Ellington. Centerpiece by Harry Sweets Edson, trumpet player. Night Train by Jimmy Forrest. Sunny Room for Two by Sonny Rollins. Splanky by Neil Hefty. And uh, another one I can throw out there is Bags Groove by Neil yeah. Jackson. Yeah, yeah. All those Welcome are, back, John. <laughs> all those are four measure um, riffs that, that, will, that you can play through the entire blues form. All right, and we're going to get one more question in, but I want to thank, let's give a big old hand for our clinicians for dropping some knowledge on us. Thank you guys so much. Uh, we really appreciate you guys. Heads up for everybody. Tomorrow night, we got beginning flute pedagogy uh, with Helen Blackburn from West Texas A&M University. That is a ridiculous session um, as well. And I want to thank all of you for coming out and learning. Share this with a friend. Get more people out here. The more knowledge we can spread during this time, guys, the better it is. So get some folks out here. Uh, I, I'm so thrilled to have people from everywhere coming in and, and, and partaking in this. This is a, a positive thing happening in just a, a state of weirdness. 
So uh, let's wrap this thing up. Oh, at the end, when we finish the last question, uh, we'll drop the emails of the clinicians so you can email them if you have additional questions. Uh, last question. This is a big one. Uh, improvisation. What strategies do you use to teach improv? Uh, and what this, this is the whole question. What strategies do you use to teach improvisation? What skills do you look for in a student before moving on to improv? In terms of skills, skills to, to in a student, can they play two notes on their instrument? If they can play two or three <laughs> notes on their instrument, yeah. they're ready to start to improvise, and it should start at that at that age. In terms, it out. In terms, yeah, in terms of strategies, Clark Terry said it very elegantly, and it can be expounded on. He said he said um, imitate, assimilate, innovate. Yep. Now spread that out over seventy-five years, and 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 you've got you've got a strategy. But it's got to start that way with young kids. Uh, Jose said it best: hear it first, play by ear, get your ears involved in, in improvising. If they can play hot cross buns in in one key, see if they can do it in another key when right. they're fifth graders. You know, uh, that's where it starts for me: is 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 ear training and. And ear-to-hand skills. Can I play what I'm hearing? Yeah, as soon as they know that B-flat scale, turn into B-flat blues scale. Start doing some call and response with the kids. Keep yeah. it simple. One note thing. They play it back to you. Then add a note. Add a note. And, this, and then say, let them go. Let them go and let and them explore and let them have fun. A thing I started pushing uh, with my kids is like the last five minutes of your practice session. I asked them, do, do you ever just play you know, just sit there and make things up and play. And um, that that can get them, you know, just playing and thinking because that's the hardest thing is you don't have notes and, and listen to what you're playing. Listen to what you're playing. Yeah. After, after I put a mirror underneath the kid's nose to make sure they're breathing, then I figure they're <laughs> Ready to capable start. Uh, to improvise. I, I, I always approach improvisation rhythmically. To me, is start off rhythm because when when it feels good in the pocket, you know it'll work. You know you can start off with something simple like dot don gong, dot don gong. You know if you get get kids saying, hey, you can play any note you want and play dot don gong. And the other thing, the other really cool thing, and this is something that Alvin Batiste drove home to me, and and it's so true. There's no such thing as wrong notes. Is mispronunciation okay so what that means is that you can make any note really sound good in any chord if you pronounce it right so to me what that's saying is that more than anything rhythm is more paramount than actually the note choices because it's not what you say it's how you say it now think right. about it isn't it isn't it the same thing just speaking english it's not it's not what you say it's how you say it you know, it's like if I tell my wife, baby, I love you. Well, baby, I love you. <laughs> you, know, it's, you know, it's how you say it. So the same thing happens with, with music. It's, it's all about that, that rhythmic approach and the attitude. If you like what you heard, subscribe and check out our website, virtualbanddirectorconference.com. Thanks for joining us. And remember, there's no stealing in band when you give with an open hand.